the vital way. Where ancient wisdom meets the cutting edge to optimize your vitality and performance. There are no right ways, just better ways. Welcome to the Vital Way Podcast. We have another exciting episode for you today. I'm pleased to be on the line with Dr. Chris Holder, who is a doctor in medical qigong. Uh, he's also a senior RKC. He has worked with NFL players, gaining, getting them ready for the NFL combine, and done a whole, actually quite an extensive array of different things. Uh, what's really interesting is uh, with the medical qigong and everything else, he's blended the East and the West together, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, he's also at the forefront of Chicago Research at Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, California, which I actually lived at for a little while. Not Cal Poly, but San Luis Obispo. So uh, I know the area had some friends that went to that school. So just want to say welcome to the call, Chris. Thanks, Logan. How you doing? And how much do you miss San Luis Obispo, truthfully? <laughs> it was a nice place, you know. I had to move back to San Luis, yeah. uh, my hometown. Right. I understand. Okay. Well, I guess the uh, first question for people that may not be familiar, uh, what is medical Qigong and how is that different from, I guess, regular other forms of Qigong? Well, uh, the medical Qigong obviously is, is, is very much skewed towards um, the healing pieces of uh, disease and all that. Um, if you, for those people that don't know what, what Qigong is, uh, if you think of all the rules that sort of govern acupuncture and all the things that we know in terms of traditional Chinese medicine, some of the rules, the, uh, the Qigong piece of it is actually the energetics. It's, it's a little deeper in the esoterics, um, but it's uh, Qigong, pra- Qigong practices are, are based off of just cultivating energy and or um, just a daily practice of kind of cleansing and renewing and um, centering yourself. And the medical Qigong side of it is actually now we're, we're dealing with people who are um, sick, right, to say it the, the best way possible. And so uh, went to school in Monterey, which is just down the street from you. Um, spent four years in school uh, going to the International Institute of Medical Qigong that's based out of Monterey, right over there by the airport. And uh, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life and um, has completely redefined the way I look at the world. And uh, we're, we're, we're bringing it to the athletic world as we speak. Excellent. So I'm curious when you're working with uh, sick people, uh, does it look the same as those that sort of daily practice, which other people may be familiar with in practicing uh, Qigong, or is there different sort of applications? Actually, it's very different. Um, a lot of your daily practice work, again, is going to be self-cultivation based, um, very much like a, for people who don't really or aren't super familiar if you're thinking of like a, almost like a Tai Chi form. Um, mm-hmm. In the medical Qigong setting, uh, and my specialty is oncology, so cancer patients are the ones that seek us out, at least what, what my specialty is. It's, um, it's more of a, it has the, the appearance of a much, much of like a normal clinical setting. Uh, there's a table, there's the doctor and the patient. The patient is on the table, and the, the patient lays on the table, similar to like you would if you were going to get a massage. And um, the Qigong doctor or, or Qigong practitioner then manipulates the energy for the patient. So unlike you and I going to the park and doing a Dallas 5 yin organ exercise um, form together, 
you would be laying on the table and I would actually be doing that work for you. And the idea is you, you're investigating the energetic field, you're looking in and out of, uh, with, you know, using tactile type uh, techniques and you're using a bunch of really, like I said, it, it gets very metaphysical and, and esoteric at stages. Um, but trying to find where your, where your excesses exist, where there, where there could be deficiencies and you're trying to get the body back in that harmonized, very balanced yin and yang state so that the body can thrive, or in the case of someone sick, um, trying to identify if, if, if what's causing their illness is, is more energetic-based versus mm-hmm. um, they just have a, a, you know, a terrible diet or they live next to a nuclear power plant or something crazy like that. Um, we can help start kind of unpeeling the, the story and figure out, you know, the, especially with the cancers, the cancers tend to have um, the backstory is pretty significant and it's almost like covering by numbers. You can trace back to where the disharmony began. And then through the energetic practices, through the, the treatments that I provide, um, and then through, you know, we always refer out to psychotherapists and, and people like that to make sure that the person's treated in a very holistic way or we send someone to you for herbs. Um, we're able to get these people in their, their entire energetic layout back and back online so that the, um, the body can ramp up its own defenses. And if you have, a, say, an emotional-based issue that's actually giving the fuel to the cancer that's, that's creating the, the power behind the growth of the tumors, we can actually cut those fuel supplies off and the, the cancers tend to um, resolve themselves. Very cool. That's a, pre- yeah, that, that's a pretty big answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, a lot of questions I want to ask off that. And that's great because uh, something in sort of my own journey and what I've learned, and you're probably not aware, but I lost my mother to cancer and that kind of heard me onwards in sort of a healing path, but uh, sure. in the many things that I've studied, I've realized, you know, uh, our whole Western world is really just focused on the physical, and we tend to neglect, at least to some degree, the mental, emotional, spiritual aspects. So I, I really, I'm with you in what you're saying, though, that like emotional issue can be at the root of something, and I, I like how you described that, that energy was feeding the cancer. Uh, right. Very cool stuff. And it, it, it's um, heartbreaking, and, I, and, and my condolences to you, to you for your mother. I lost my mother also, um, not to cancer, but you know it was one of these deals where if we, if we if I would have known what I knew then, that, you know, that I know now, we could have helped her and potentially prevented the, her demise eventually. But um, what people need to understand, your listeners need to understand who are, who are looking at this, and this is not me slamming Western medicine because obviously I am an American-born guy who sees the genuine value in everything that the Western doctors mm-hmm. are also doing. But Western doctors are purely looking at the physical. And, the, you know, just the, the, the Qigong is based out of, you know, Taoist training. And uh, we Taoists look at the human body as three completely different bodies. There's the, 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 the physical body, the energetic body, and the spiritual body. And the interplay between the three mm-hmm. is what creates... Um, a healthy body and that same interplay if one of those three bodies is out of whack it's going to disrupt the other two you know what I mean and so it's this when we talk about holistic it's truly holistic and nine out of ten times a western trained doctor is only looking at one of those three major pieces and and so you know we can just run simple statistics but um, more often than not they're probably not going to be looking in the right place when they're looking for treatment possibilities and cures Mm mm-hmm Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I actually have 
uh, studied not to the level you have, but uh, different forms of energy uh, training. I, I'm curious when you talk about with someone on the table and you're doing these, are you working with uh, the meridians, which is at least one energy channel that many people have heard of, or sort of are there different layers of the uh, energy architecture of the human body? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> so it's a, and I'll try to keep this as brief as possible, but um, we're we're trying to look at the entire being from every vantage point, and mm -hmm. so it starts out very um, sort of rudimentary and very physical in the beginning. So um, we use, believe it or not, a qigong treatment. There's not a tremendous amount of touch involved. So everything's based off of being able to actually sense and feel energy. And um, so in the beginning, you're kind of uh, think about like like raking through the body and feeling where you can feel blockages and, and where you can feel where there's an absence of where there should be something and or there's way too much here and we need to kind of purge it out. Um, mm -hmm. And then we get into the meridian. So if we know, okay, we're, we're specifically looking at this disease. Um, and we'll say, for example, you have somebody who who's having um, small intestine-based stuff, or how about we go to the large intestine, so you're having some of those colon issues. Um, we know that the colon and the, the lungs are actually a paired organ, so whatever's happening in the colon could be manifesting in the lungs, and what you do is you investigate those organs, and you're looking for signs, and you're looking for evidence of an issue, and then you start working your way through that. Um, yes, like I said, yes, we do use the, the meridians, but we... We, we spend a lot of our time, or at least through my training, um, looking at the five yin organs, which are the heart, the lungs, the kidneys, the liver, and spleen. And those set the stage for um, all the elements in the body. They set the stage for uh, just sort of the creation of the cycle that, 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 that establishes the harmony in the body so that the body can thrive. And that's where we begin most of our investigation. And then as we get through those pieces and we do a little more actual interviewing with the patient, uh, some of their stories will start to unravel and you can see the patterns and why they're happening the way they are. And I mean, we can, I've worked with patients where we've traced things back to um, talking about when their mother was pregnant with them and they were in utero. And mm -hmm. you can see where, you know, this is the embryonic developmental you know, energetic stage of month three and she went through this sort of traumatic event and you can sort of see how the the evolution of this person, even in when, when their mother was pregnant with them, you can trace back those things and start to, to create the story around what's happening. It's, it's, it's quite remarkable, actually. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm curious how much, because each of those, uh, the yin the organs and each of those elements, they kind of have different emotions. And generally, yeah. there seems to be more of the focus on the negative emotions, even though they also have the positive aspect. Uh, how much right. do you see, like, for instance, with the lungs you were describing, which is part of the metal element, and that has to do with grief? Uh, how often is yes. a connection between those things and those stories that come up with people you're Believe talking all, about? All the time. All the time. It's a... Uh, it's, 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 uh, even though our, our Western contemporaries would, would call this potentially quackery and they would say that, um, you know, we're, it's hocus-pocus and it's ancient stuff and it's outdated, um, the, the likelihood of all these things making sense and, and, and the story, the, the way we put it together, it all just fitting very neatly in a tidy little box 
it's almost 100% of the time. And you're talking about the emotions. So when we're talking about the lungs, we're talking about sadness and grief. Or if you're talking about, you know, the heart, that, that anxious nervousness type of energy, um, and it's, it's, it's literally coloring by numbers. You'll, you'll have a person come in um, who uh, we, we call them rageaholics, uh, people who are like fiery, angry people. Um, wood element in the liver is how it's associated, and you can just see the patterns and how that that mm-hmm. that liver energy is disrupting the cycle. The the the, the elements are operating sort of correspond with one another, um, and those emotions are literally at the forefront of everyone that I've ever worked with. And this includes healthy people. So, mm-hmm. for example, I worked on a, a distance runner today. So we have a, a young lady who's running for us who transferred from Harvard, and I'm doing work with her, and we've we've done a lot of work. Um, taking the knowledge that we have based off of the illnesses, based off of uh, all the Qigong practices, and I've, I've spent the last, I don't know, six years uh, refining um, ways to, to increase performance enhancement in athletes. So, mm-hmm. you know, a sick person and an athlete, they have certain some things in, in common, and, and what most people don't understand is, you know, athletes are pretty much running the red line the whole time. They're, they are training so hard. Um, in, in, in a collegiate setting, they're probably not eating well. It's, I mean, it's almost guaranteed. They're not getting their rest. And obviously, emotionally, they're being um, pushed to their limits because of their, co- their competitive stuff. So they will appear, and they actually present very similar to someone who's sick. And so anyhow, uh, this young lady that I've been working with, she's a very anxious person. She has a lot of that nervous energy. Um, so from a, from a medical stand, she's got a lot of heart energy. We've got to control a lot of that. We have to kind of tamper it, purge it, um, and balance it back out so it doesn't become the prevailing uh, thing going on in her body. And it allows her to perform at a higher level because we're balancing the system back out and we're allowing the system to do what it does um, the best when it's in harmony. So um, I, I know the original question we were talking about emotions, but it's it's just in everyone I've ever treated, Typically, even if we don't have a, like a big interview, so Logan, if I laid you down the table right now, and you don't have, and I have no talk about what's going on in your world, typically the energy will present, and then I can say, okay, this is what I found, boom, boom, boom. Talk to me about how your sleep's been. Talk, talk to me about, you know, any one of the, the telltale signs about this, and we together can can put the story together, and it'll fit very neatly into a tiny little box. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me when you're sort of accessing the energy that it'll come up, you know, whatever physically is going on, but also whatever's mentally and emotionally going on. So that's kind of your access route into, because the body is a holistic system, all those other yes. things going on. Yeah. Usually when, I, when, I, when I'm doing an intake with, with a person, it's a little intimidating because usually um, I get one of two patients. I have either an athlete and we're tuning them for performance, or I have someone who's gravely ill who is um, running out of options. And mm-hmm. I will typically tell them in an interview, listen, uh, I'm going to ask you some questions. Some of them will probably be a little bit tougher to answer than others. Um, you can answer them if you want to, but the energy is going to tell me one way or the other. So you can either tell mm-hmm. me now or, I'll, or I will tell you later. You know what I mean? And it, it mm-hmm. happens that way. So, yeah, it's, it's, you, you can't hide it. Uh, if someone's in, in distress at all and they're experiencing anything that's uh, cataclysmic on a level where it's going to actually change their energy around, um, there's no there's no hiding it. Yeah. Well, it's sort of a realization for me the other day. You were talking about how a lot of people would see this as quackery, 
because in our yeah. Western society, we kind of only, okay, it needs to be a double-blind, placebo-controlled study. That's the on, only form <laughs> of proof. But I think of right. you know, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. This is thousands of years of clinical practice, which definitely, yeah. you know, these people that see people over and over again like you're doing, you know, there, there's a lot of experience. There's proof in that. And just to think that, you know, these came, not that any system out there is really perfect. There certainly can right. be flaws, but that is a form of proof, the clinical practice. Once you look at Western medical science and science in general, what we consider to be science here in the West, they've mm-hmm. made the, the way they look at clinical studies and stuff, they've made it very difficult um, to, to do anything that's fringe in what we're, what I'm doing is considered fringe. Like I, a lot of mm-hmm. what, what I operate from is well, so what, I'm, the, what, I, what I'm doing, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Too. <laughs> and, and, and the, you, 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 someone who's doing this type of work, they, they're using their intuition a lot. And if I said that to an MD, well, I, you know, how do you, how do you know this? Well, I'm, that's what my intuition tells me immediately that, that will disqualify me for having any kind of merit when it comes to a conversation. When in reality, um, I'm sure practices that you've done, the things that you've practiced, and all the herb stuff that you know, which is which is insane for your listeners who I, I, I know the herbal stuff and how difficult and what a lifetime can be spent studying that. But uh, the, the way they the, the ringer that they put you through to get anything published is it's amazing. And so, and I'm sure we'll get into it. And I, and I want to answer your questions. But we we just finished a study here at Cal Poly um, where we looked at a regular daily Qigong practice and how it impact um, strength gains over an eight-week period. And mm-hmm. we, have, we have complete support of the university. We have complete support of the kinesiology department. Um, the young man who actually headed the, 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 the study is uh, Chris White. He's one of my assistants in the weight room. Um, so we are going to get probably the first of its kind, um, really legitimate research in hopefully the Journal of Strength Conditioning Research or something along those mainstream lines where people are going to have to start looking at this. And that was our mm-hmm. intention going into it from the beginning is we needed to get valid research, something that we could that was very testable, something that we could repeat, um, and something that we knew we were going to get great numbers from and actually just pull it off, and we did it. So uh, I'm trying to, on some level, just bang on doors and let them know, hey, listen, you need to look at this. And from a performance side, um, it, it's something that everyone needs. If you if you want to perform your best and you want to be at your absolute best, you have to consider these pieces. Absolutely. I mean, just we we're talking about uh, with a sick person, you know, you have to look at the physical, the emotional, mental, spiritual, the energetic. It's same true with right. high levels of performance. And I like how <laughs> you describe the two different people. You're seeing the very sick and also the sort of elite performance people, which are just it's kind of a polarity, but uh, really, the same things are at play in both of these. Sure. Can you share some more of the results of your research there? Well, yeah, yeah. So we 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 started out. Um, everything was based on voluntarily based. So what we we did is we had kind of courted uh, the we used four, three teams. So we took our entire football team, our entire women's soccer team, and our entire volleyball team, and. Uh, so that's a total um, number of around 145 kids. And we mm-hmm. began to um, let them know that we were going to be doing this research in the winter of 2015, okay? And we just started doing this in 14. 
and let them know that we were looking at some things. And I had done some work with some of the athletes, and, and, and obviously the work that I do is so mysterious to them, and the effect of it is so immediate that it's, it's kind of undeniable what's happening. And so the buzz around the athletic department started to grow about what I was doing. And so uh, we took all, th- all three of those teams. What we did is we developed a, a very streamlined, very general, general uh, a GPP weightlifting program. And something that, you know, every, every one of those three teams, women's soccer, volleyball, and football, could benefit from. So we're doing, you understand those, all three of those teams are fall-based sports. So come wintertime after we return from the holidays, they're immediately back into to an off-season training mode. And it's very normal for all those teams to go through, a, you know, several weeks of just resetting the foundation, going back to the gross motor movements and, and, and just getting things reestablished. And so... Chris and I sat down and, and we thumbed through some programs that we'd written, and I had written a, a, a program, you know, a couple of years ago for Pablo Satsumin. Uh, he had asked a favor of me to put together a thing to investigate mitochondrial stuff. So we mm-hmm. looked at that. We had used it before. We had success with that one, and it was, it was so cut and dry and so clean as far as the way the programming was set up and as far as how the, the lift was designed that we wouldn't get jammed up with any committees or anything about our weightlifting program. So we, we took that program, we established uh, baseline percentages on every single day of that program for eight weeks, and then we tested everyone. And so we got um, vertical jump numbers, uh, front squat numbers, bench press, and deadlift numbers um, on every one of those kids, on all three of those teams. And then we, we'd taken volunteers, like, listen, how many of you guys would be willing to wake up at 6 a.m. the, the entire winter quarter uh, Monday through Friday, and come do a morning Qigong recharge with us. And we had a tremendous turnout. We ended up with 50% to start. So we were, we were at about 65 to 70 kids that showed up day one. Um, and then we knew we were going to have some attrition. We, for whatever reasons, we had very strict parameters about inclusion and all that. You know, if you miss more than four sessions, which ended up being um, – Anything over four, se- or four sessions would be more than 90%, and you had to attend 90% of the, the, uh, the, the get-togethers, and you were immediately eliminated from the study. And long story short, we go through those eight weeks. We end up finishing with total people in the study, um, front to back, both the control and the um, experimental group. We ended up finishing with about 74 people, and it was cut right down the middle. And... We saw, and what we'd also done is every Friday during this, we were doing, um, we, we gave the kids these, these intakes. They were, they were like mental health intakes. They were, you know, you know how, how do you feel about other people? And very generalized um, questions. They were, they, 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 it was a questionnaire that had been used in other studies in the past. And mm-hmm. we were following their well-being. And at the end of it, long story short, um, the Qigong group um, basically blew the uh, control group out of the water in all areas that we looked at. Um, we broke it. The statistics ended up being over 10,000 individual pieces of data that we ended up in, plugging into um, our database and we were investigating the numbers. We broke the groups up in as many different configurations as you can imagine, looking for, you know, where any outliers would exist and, and trying to really streamline the numbers so that when we actually turned the um, manuscript into the, to the scientific journals, which we're in the process of putting together right now, uh, we were going to get a lot of pushback. And so um, we, I tease the kids, or I, you know, I've said it in a lot of things that I've written because, of course, this is, 
you're getting the, the, the hot information right now because I haven't actually put it on paper and put it out yet. But uh, we had guys put on front squat in eight weeks, like over 100 pounds. So you're talking about, like, steroid-level numbers. Um, mm-hmm. We had and, – and, and this happened uh, of, the, of the, the guys who made it through the whole Qigong thing and we didn't have the little injuries or because they didn't attend enough things, they were excluded. And same thing went with the weight training sessions. You only had – you could only miss 10% of the weight training sessions or you were immediately taken out of the study. Um, we had several um, pockets of people that were having just crazy increases in strength. Um, across the board, the way it looked, all the numbers were in favor of the Qigong. The wellness stuff was really remarkable because there are, during that eight-week time, especially towards the end when you start getting closer to finals and the stresses of school and the stresses of just all those things start to mount, you could see the control group starting to lose themselves a little bit and the numbers started to jump around all over the charts, whereas the Qigong group stayed very steady. Emotionally, they stayed very level. And... Um, they were able to just, just kind of plug along, even though they were the ones waking up earlier than everybody else. And most of those kids, especially after the, the study was over with, will tell you that um, they, although they hated getting up, and I'll be the first one to say it, I didn't like it either. Five days a week, it, like you know, for me, I have a 20-minute drive, so I'm getting up at 4.30 every morning. Uh, that starts to wear on you. But the Qigong actually made it so that it wasn't that bad, and you were able to go to sleep at a nice time at night, sleep deep the entire time. It was just... It was amazing, and uh, once the once the, the we get the manuscript turned in, we're hoping to actually have several suitors for this for this work, which then of course will just push more of this this type of study out there. That's pretty amazing. So all these people had stress reductions, felt better, uh, felt healthier, as well as becoming massively stronger. <laughs> Yeah, but two, two, two strength guys, so you and I are sitting, you know, we're just jaw-jacking about weightlifting. And I say this to all my athletes that I've ever worked with, especially elite-level people. And I've had the, you know, I've worked with the 49ers. I've done a lot of work with them. I ended up, when I was at the San Jose State, and that's where you and I met years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the During the lockout season of 2010, the 49ers sent their guys to me, and I got to work with them the entire summer. So I got to do Qigong with Alex Smith and their receivers and a bunch of those guys. Um but the one, the one big underlying thing, and this is just a, it's a very small selling point, but to, to people who understand weight training and performance, the one thing that the Qigong almost guaranteed is your sleep's going to improve dramatically. So if I told Tiger Woods, for example, who also probably needs a copy of your book um, with what he's been going through, but if I told Tiger, listen, Tiger, I can guarantee you're going to get the most restful, deep sleep without having to take any drugs or... Um, you know, do anything crazy other than spend, you know, two times a week on a table with me for 20 minutes and or go out 15 minutes a day and just do this practice. And it will dramatically increase your recovery. It will dramatically increase just your your state of mind because you're rested. I would think, in my, at least in my mind, that's worth its weight in gold. And that's just one of the many little things that this that the Qigong work is going to actually facilitate for for athletes, it's it, it's insane, and it's everybody needs to know about it. And that's what we're trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people listening are interested in getting these sort of benefits themselves. I know probably talking over the phone is not the best way in which to teach this. But is there any sort of takeaways or places you would point people to if they want to begin this own sort of practice, the daily sort of chikong recharge? 
Well, I have, I have two places that I consider to be authorities um, who are accessible. Obviously, my seafood is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Jerry Allen Johnson. He is, um, uh, I, I don't have the language to express to you what a, what an, just an insane impact he's had on me um, outside of just teaching me the things that he's taught me and um, just created opportunities for me through this, these practices. Um, he's, he's a godsend for me, and I will never be able to repay him uh, for what he's done for me. But he has a DVD out called the Qigong the Healing Workout that you can get on Amazon, which is, which is loosely similar to what we did with the athletes. I, did some, I, I had to tailor some things um, with the athletes. They're a little bit different than what you'll find on that DVD, but it is... Um, it's, 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 it's fundamentally what we had done, and it's basically the Taoist five unit organ exercises and how he set everything up. And then beyond that, if you're going to go uh, with anybody else that I trust, it's going to be John McCain and, and his products that he sells through Dragon Door. And John is a guy who's, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are hustling, um, whether it be DVDs or supplements or whatever, who pretty much are not practicing what they preach. Well, John is a guy who is a, he's a martial artist, he is a uh, he's a qigong warrior if there ever was one, and he's put out several DVDs that are um, very high quality stuff um, that I would think that you know any newbie could get their hands on and follow it and have tremendous success with it. So those two guys, if if you're a listener, so you folks out there listening to this, this sounds interesting to you, check out uh, qigong the healing workout by Jerry by Jerry Allen Johnson or go to www.dragondoor.com and just go on to any one of their products where they're selling DVDs, and you'll find a lot of Qigong material there. Excellent. I'll make sure to include links to all that in the show notes in case people are listening and can't write that down at the moment. So also your doctoral thesis was along these same lines. Is there anything you want yeah. to talk about on that? Well, it was, it was very interesting. So I was at San Jose State. Um, we Again, we took... Uh, um, it, was, it ended up being four teams. It was football, softball, women's soccer, and then we used our golfers. And again, we were looking at um, we used a, a, a an intake. Um, the way it was set up was uh, myself or any one of my doctoral candidates, student friends of mine, um, would treat these individuals who signed up for the study twice a week. And then it, they were doing this during the actual competitive season. And at the end of every one of their contests, whether it be a football game, they, they literally would be sitting in their pads filling out a piece of paper. Or you get off the, you know, get off the course uh, from playing around the golf, and you were, they, they, they basically answered the same seven or eight questions after every contest. And it was questions based off of a little more of the external-based performance thing, so less about, you know, did you – um, for a softball, or you know, did you, did you did you go three for four, and you know that, those types of statistical based things? It was more of how was your focus, and they were everything was based off of a one through ten scale. Um, how was your sleep the night before? How were your nerves before the game? Yada yada yada. And then we had a control group, obviously, who were doing the exact same thing. They just weren't getting the Qigong intervention. And that study is what actually set up the study we just finished at Cal Poly because what we saw, the trends that we saw with that one, was even the control group, of course they would have great days. And so when you're putting all their data together and you're going through just week after week after week of their intakes that you were, you were bringing back, you would see, you know, one of the control kids would have tens across the board on something like, okay, well, great, you know, 
all those scientists are, well, that's going to screw my data up. But, but what we ended up seeing was the Qigong people, obviously, at the very end, ended up having, across the, the entire scope of their season, um, much better numbers than, than a control group. And what the, the Qigong group got the, the most benefit from is they were not bouncing around the scale at all. So we could get them up into the, we'll say, 1 through 10, 10 being the absolute best um, result that you could hope for. They were at 7s and 8s the entire time. So you weren't getting any of these uh, sort of fluky anomaly days where they would go compete and they were just completely whacked out or they had, you know, something was just completely screwing them up. The, the, if you're looking at like a, like a chart, um, plotted out on, over like a course of you know x amount of weeks, the Qigong people were very steady and very like you know, it was very harmonious, and that was the most exciting thing that we saw with that one is the Qigong stabilizes things, it gets the emotions completely balanced out, it gets the uh, their focus really level the whole time, it gets you know with with athletes and, and look I don't know how many athletes you worked with, I'm sure you worked with lots um, with with say like for example a pitcher. Say a pitcher gets out on the mound and pitch 20, he throws a ball, and it's hit out of the park. That pitcher, if he's thinking about that home run for the next 10 pitches, he's worthless. And what we were able to do is we were able to get them to shake those things off immediately. They were able to – something bad happened, it was okay, and they were able to move on and continue to perform at a very high level. And that's, you know, again, those, those sort of nuancy pieces that are hidden that you realize, wow, I can get these people emotionally level enough where whether even if it's something really, really good or really, really bad, it doesn't it doesn't jar them at all. They're able to stay very centered and balanced and continue to perform at a level. Mm-hmm. So what would you encourage people listening, whether they're athletes or not, maybe they're suffering from some sort of disease that they're trying to overcome, what would you encourage them to do? Is this Should this ideally become a daily habitual part of their life? How much time does a person spend? Uh, what would you recommend? Well, you know, it's it's something that I think that every human being walking this planet is they, they need to consider it because again, it goes mm-hmm. back to our original discussion of um, not just treating the physical. We there are more aspects to you than just the physical side, and I think even somebody who's listening to this podcast who may not be completely bought in on something like this, they'll understand that mentally, if things are wrong. A lot of things are going to go wrong physically for them, and, they, and I think everybody will, the consensus would be there. And so mm-hmm. I think people need to consider, I think obviously you need to find what's going to work for you. Most of these things, again, this is very esoteric, this is a very esoteric statement, but most of the things that are going to help you are going to call to you. So mm-hmm. um, you, if you do just a little bit of study of the energetic practices or you look at you know any of those things that are um, – that are considered to be a little bit more sort of outside the scope of what the normal is. Um, there's so many different practices that you can find. I mean, I, I've studied with everybody. And when I mean everybody, I mean I've studied dozens and dozens and dozens of systems from all different walks of life, from things that, you know, not just the Taoist stuff. I've worked with Christian mystics, and I've worked with pagans, and I've worked with Buddhists and stuff. And it's all they're all saying basically the same things. So... Ultimately, what I would say is, is what resonates with you the most in terms of anything spiritual, and then find out what's happening in that world. And these practices, whether it be Reiki or Qigong or Body Talk or any any of those any energy-based um, cultivation or self-care practices, find something that, that 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 kind of 
makes sense to you, and then give it a try. Uh, it doesn't have to be Qigong. And, 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 and for some people it may not because Qigong also has very martial um, applications to it. And a lot of people, especially maybe my older populations, the minute you say martial, they instantly shut you down because, you know, hell, I don't want to be, we're not going to be fighting. Um, but there's, there's, there's enough people out there doing really, really good work. And uh, especially if you're, if you're based, if you're listening and you're based out of California, holy cow, I mean, there's, there, there are people everywhere that, that, are, that are doing good things that have tremendous value. And um, just, just start looking for things. I think, I think a lot of people don't know what's out there and they don't know what to look for. And so again, kind of just follow your follow your gut as far as whatever spiritual slant you have, and then within each each even even the diehard Christians, who tend to be the ones that will look at these things and have the the, the biggest opinion about it, um, there are groups within the Christian world that, that have similar practices to these that are that are fantastic. So just find find something that works for you and and something that's attractive to you, and then and then start investigating. Excellent. And what does your own practice look like? So after we finished the, um, the study here in this, this last, uh, and we, we, we wrapped in, I think it was March, uh, the kids who were part of it were like, okay, hold on, are we going to keep doing this? And I was like, well, I'm not going to get up at ODARC 30 with you guys anymore, so we're going to pick a time every day, and um, that day will be set every quarter, and we will do the same practice. So... My personal practice, I get up and I meditate every morning. Um, so I wake up, go and, you know, get myself sort of kind of half ready for work, and then I return to my bed and I meditate. I use something called the six-phase meditation based off of uh, an, app, an, an app on my phone um, from a company called Om, uh, Mind Valley. The app is called Omvana, O-M-V-A-N-A. And I do the six-phase meditation every morning, which is it's, it's unbelievable. We could do an entire podcast just on that. Um, and then at 12.15, right now, because that's the way the quarter has played out for us, um, we get up, we stop what we're doing, whether, you know, if you're in the middle of a lift or if, we're, if I'm in a meeting, and I turn Enya on, and then I walk out to one of my platforms, and the group gathers. And we do the same 15-minute practice, which is very similar to the one you're going to find on Dr. Johnson's uh, Qigong the Healing Workout DVD. Um, and then, of course, prayer is a very big part of my deal, and then I'm a... Um, I, I read like crazy. So for me, part of a meditation or part of almost a spiritual practice is to continue to read and just uh, saturate my brain with as absolutely as much stuff as I possibly can. So I'm reading all the time. So the meditation in the morning, the Qigong practice in the afternoon, I do a lot of prayer and reading are probably my, those are my go-tos right now. Excellent. Sounds peaceful <laughs> and nice. It, and trust me, brother, you, we, you and I haven't spent a tremendous amount of time together, but I'm a pretty high-strung guy. I desperately yeah. need this. So this is, this is, this is like I said, Dr. Johnson saved my life in many ways, and part of it was because I needed something just to bring me down. Yeah, so. I know where you're coming from on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess this is kind of rewinding a little bit, but uh, earlier on we were talking about uh, feeling the energy when people are on the table. Uh, do you believe yeah. this is a skill set anyone can acquire? I, I, I remember pers- personally when I was uh, getting into energetic forms of training, like I come, you know, I grew up in the West, so I didn't believe any of that crap. <laughs> but, you know, eventually through time I kind of like, okay, there's something going on here. And I remember one time in the class when I was working with a woman and uh, doing chakra work, which is 
more of an energy system that comes from uh, India rather than the Chinese. Um, right. But anyway, like I'm going over the second chakra, and it's, it feels like, you know, there's not really much there. Like it's uh, fluid and just flowing as I'm moving my hand over it. But then I go to the third chakra, and it's literally like I'm going over rocks, which I've yeah, absolutely. That was one of my, like, first experiences in feeling energy, and it just completely wowed me. So, yeah, so right. could you talk a little bit about the experience of feeling energy, and is this something everyone can learn how to do if they wanted to? So I'm going to give you a two-part answer. Um, I'm not going to tell you the story as to how I got involved with the medical chingo because it's another really long story that, you know, we don't have time for. But let's just say that I... I, the recommendation that I took uh, to actually start studying this was basically on a whim, and I went into this completely blind. So I didn't know who Dr. Mm-hmm. Johnson was. I truthfully had only one other time in my life done any Qigong work, and that was with John Duquesne on a Sunday morning recharges in RKC. Um, so I had a little exposure to it, but it wasn't enough to actually change my mind about things. And so when I showed up to school my very first night, I, again, I was going into this truthfully blind. And I had made a deal with myself in the car. I was like, listen, you're going to, for as long as you're going to do this, because, of course, I wasn't 100% bought in. I wasn't sure if I was going to see the program from front to back because it was a long program. It was expensive, all those things. But I, was, I told myself, I made a deal with myself. I was, you know, whatever this guy tells us, whatever we're going to learn, uh, I refused to pass it through my filters, and I was going to accept it for face value. So the first part of, of my answer to your original question in order for, for people to feel energy and to really kind of get into these very deep states of sort of oneness with themselves, they have to take their walls down. So to, to answer your question, can everybody do this? You bet your butt they can. Um, we, we saw a lot of people who had a tremendous amount of skill in my, um, in my class that we went through. And then we also had those people in the class that were they were having, you know, they, it took them a while to kind of get into the, to, to the mode. But very much like the story you told, um, we all, all of us energy people will say we have that defining moment where, holy crap, this is real. This is, uh, you know, this is, I can feel this. I literally can feel the sparks or I can feel what feels like needles or I can feel like you said when you were passing over that second chakra when you were first doing that. There's, there's this nothing here. It's, it almost feels like a, what you would you would assume a dead person feels like, and for us uh, in my when I was going to school, um, we met twice a week um, on so Thursday nights all night long, and then Saturdays from the early morning until the late night, and we would just practice, 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 and so I was in a very nurturing group. I was in a in a, in a, in a sea of people who were very like minded. So the skill set for me came quickly because I went in with an open mind, and then you're, you're being sort of lifted up by the people around you because we're all in the same boat, sort of rowing in the same direction. So uh, for, the, for the people who are skeptical out there who say that it's, you know, gobbledygook and, and, and you can't feel those things, um, I, I would like to tell you that you're, you're, you couldn't be more wrong, and all of us have had those experiences um, with energy, um, we've never just had the context to define what it is, and mm-hmm. it's like walking into it's like walking into a to a place and you feel like you've you feel like you're coming home, or you walk into a place and it just feels icky and yuck. There's a reason it feels that way. You're feeling the energy. You just don't have the 
you don't have the vocabulary to 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 explain it the way you and I understand it. And so, um, don't get wrapped up in the the naysayers. I'm I I couldn't be more you know in uh, disagreement with the people who say, well, it's complete crap because we're doing it and we're seeing it. And if you know if if you want to feel the energy, make an appointment with me and you'll feel the energy. I mean, we've we the, the treatments that we use and the protocols that I use, people get up off the table and they look and feel like somebody completely else. And once you've had your first big experience with the energy, you will never go back. You'll never go back to being a skeptic because it swings open doors you never even understood existed. Yeah. Yeah, it's also seems like fun, largely unexplored territory, at least uh, to most people, because it's kind of like, you know, if a blind person all of a sudden could see once again, it'd be it opened up a whole new world. So when you realize there's sure. this other dimension going on, uh, yeah, it's pretty. Well, you know what? It, it, it's it's not just the and it, and it sounds like the whole time this last 50 minutes I've been slamming the Western people. It's not just the Western people's fault too, because a lot of the the people who've been doing these practices for so many years, they wanted to bottle up and sort of um, contain the power of this stuff, and they wanted to right. keep it a secret. And they didn't want to spread it out because if everybody knows about it, then everybody's going to be doing it. And uh, it's kind of the direction I'm trying to go the very opposite direction. And that's why we're doing mm-hmm. the research that we're doing is because there's too many people walking the streets right now who have no idea what we're talking about. You could grab anybody, even on the streets of Santa Cruz, where people are very open-minded and there's a, such a big spiritual movement in those places. Hey, when was the last time uh, you did a Qigong practice? And most of them would look at you and go, what the hell is that? And so... Mm-hmm. Um, we, I want to get the word out, and and it's not entirely everyone, you know, it's not the Western doctors' fault and all the things that, you know, that, that these things don't have any momentum here, and it's because people have been trying to contain it, and it's, I'm trying to make it my job to tell everybody. Anyone who will listen, I will. Uh, we will talk about it, and if you need to be shown, if you need proof, come see me and we'll prove it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ultimately the best will come when there's a combination and open communication between different systems, like drugs and surgery no have their place, but uh, ultimately yeah. not the, the first resort. They should more be <laughs> sort of a last resort. If we get Western doctors and Eastern doctors together and sit in a room and not try to one-up each other, we would have a complete system of health care. If we would just yeah. agree to, hey, listen, you, you're strong in this area where we're very weak. Please fill in the gaps there, and I'm uh, – you know, I'm weak in this area, and you guys have the answers to that, so let's get this together, and we can fix a lot of people. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, oncology. How did you get uh, involved in that field? So it was it basically when I signed up to go through the, um, through the, the program through the International Institute of Medical Qigong, it was, the, it was the course direction that we were going. So um, the, way it, the way it sort of played out, the first year was your practitioner year, and then your second year was your um, therapist and master year, and then your last year was doctoral year. Now, you could, you could bow out at any point, but the doctor, doctoral year was purely oncology. So the practitioner time, you're learning the energy, you're learning sort of what a general practitioner would learn in and you're, 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 you're understanding the relationships between the organs and the emotions, and you're starting to develop the energetic skills that you needed, and you're starting to learn how to feel the energy. And then the next couple of years, it gets a little deeper, and you're going into um, energetic psychology, and you did all the um, geriatrics and stuff with kids, and it was, it was amazing. 
And then that third year and that final push for us was purely cancer stuff, which is, mm-hmm. trust me, brother, that's, it's, it's, it's a really heavy topic, way heavier than you can imagine in terms of um, what therapies people are receiving for, uh, for cancers here in the United States in, in contrast to what's offered in other places and how, how we're um, talking about incomplete. You know what I mean? There's, there's a very much a standard, you know, chemotherapy, radiation surgery, next, chemotherapy, radiation surgery, next type thing here. And there are mm-hmm. so many other things that can be done to, um, to, to combat the cancer. And, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, listen, don't go out and get, listen to a Western doctor, go, go straight to your, your, your Qigong person. But we can also be a, a tremendous therapy for people who are going through those, um, those treatments. You know, chemotherapy is a nightmare. Anybody who's been to yeah. chemotherapy or anything, anyone who's been around somebody going to chemotherapy basically gets to witness somebody having a complete just um, scorching of, of their human body, and you're ultimately trying to keep them alive while poisoning them. And the Qigong practices and a lot of the energetic practices will help combat a lot of the horrible side effects of the, the, the chemotherapy. And I've had a lot of patients that I've worked with who are cancer-based patients who Hey, let's chemotherapy on chemotherapy. We've done radiation, you know, a dozen times. I've had my surgeries. How can you help? And what we were is we were almost more of a support for just the nightmare of normal cancer treatments. And so um, ideally there are better ways to go and you want to get with someone and partner with someone early so that you can go through the, through the stages and then they can make an informed decision about what route they want to take their, their, uh, their approach to beating it. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes you get them in the middle of it, and they're, you know, they can barely hold their head up. And your your job is to go back and rebuild them from an energetic standpoint, which the chemotherapy typically typically destroys. So um, I'm kind of all over with my answers. So I'm, I, I, yeah. I apologize. <laughs> no, I think that, that that's good. Uh, what would you recommend to someone that maybe if they were sort of starting out and looking at their options? Um, what would you recommend? And I understand this is a <laughs> area you have to be careful in. So I'll do some tap dancing. Well, yeah. <laughs> what people need to do is uh, people need to know that there are all kinds of different options out there, and not all of them are based off of going in and, and going through um, the standard uh, procedures of what everybody understands to typical cancer treatments. With that being said, I think. Um, there are a lot of people out there doing a lot of really fantastic work, and I think there's a lot of Western doctors that are amazing. My my niece, when she was two years old, was diagnosed with leukemia, and the team of doctors that took over her case um, saved her life and did an amazing job. And the people down at Loma Linda are the most fantastic human beings on this earth. And my niece now is 15 years old, going to high school. She's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, but if you're if you're a, an adult going through this, you know, and you're you're facing something like this, understand that you have options. That you there there are a lot of different things you can do that will either be a complete off the beaten path way of therapy, or um, choosing additional route additional route. The one thing that I do recommend to anyone, and this is this will help you out too, my friend. Um, no matter what you're going to do, so if you're going to go with a with a Western trained doctor and you're going to go through the, the standard 
um, protocols that they would prescribe, in which everybody, almost everyone would go that route, and I understand. Um, you need to have an herbalist, and you need to have an acupuncturist or a Qigong master on your team. And for the reasons that we had already talked about, about the, the chemotherapy and those, and those, uh, mm-hmm. those, those therapies and what, what happens to the, to the body and happens energetically, it's like literally like dynamite going off. And then you're trying to sort through the mess. Um, you need to have those people as part of your, your team of healers that are going to be working with you, not only the Western trained doctors, but those people too. I can't state to you how important that is because, again, you need to have people on your side who are kind of mopping up the mess that the, um, the radiation creates or mopping up the mess that the chemotherapy is creating. Um, I know myself, if when push came to come to shove and someone that I loved was sick, I would scour the earth and we would try a little bit of everything. So I'm not saying that you, you know, hey, you're sick, go only to a Qigong person and you're a fool and all that stuff if you don't and all that. Uh, I get it and you're scared and people, people, you know, they're looking for, um, they need the magic bullet. Um, the one thing that I would do if I had someone that I loved that was sick now is, listen, we know that these things work. We will start those immediately, and these things being the Qigong-based stuff, the herbs and the, the acupuncture. And then we would go and find the, the appropriate Western doctors, and we would find hopefully open-minded people who were willing to, to work in it very, like I said, I keep using the word team, but it's, it's truly what it is. Um, we're going to work together. We're not going to get in each other's way. Um, we're all fighting and pushing for the same things. And... Um, you just you want to make sure that you're covering all your bases because there's a lot of people out there who are getting treatments right now who are not informed completely and they are terrified and they're emotionally they're in such disarray that it's almost as if their um, their illness is being fed at a, at, a, at a startling rate and you need to know that these these are things that are contributing to your illness and there are ways to um, combat those things, but your body has a chance. You're, all you're basically trying to do is create a chance. Uh, and I didn't, and I haven't mentioned it yet. I did earlier, but psychotherapist also. Somebody who's going to be able to talk you through some things and mm-hmm. literally put a brigade of people together who are going to heal you. Um, so that's, that, that's my take on things. Yeah, I really like that because, I mean, with a diagnosis like that, that, that's a time for massive action and not any one piece by itself. I wouldn't trust any single one piece. Wouldn't like just trust herbs or anything like that. But you put it all together, and you know it's not a scientific approach. You don't know what would work. But I, I, there's a time when you definitely don't care about that. You just kind of want results. So throw everything you can at it. And I, I like that emphasis on the team because you know yeah. that's that's the thing. All these areas, you know, you know, become a Western doctor. How many years of school? But same thing with a really good herbalist or Qigong master, you know, that's, it's a lifetime of study. So if you can get the best of the best different people together, then you can right. get good results. Assuming, yeah, like you said, there's good communication between them. They're not fighting each other <laughs> about it. Yeah, we. I, I just finished with a guy who hired me on. He had stage four, stage four lymphatic cancer, so it's a pretty, a pretty gruesome diagnosis. And I was a member of the team that he put together, and we went through chemotherapy together. Um, I, I was a support for him. He also had an acupuncturist because he was based out of San Diego. Um, and within about six months, this guy has no sign of cancer right now. 
And that's a really, really tough one to beat. I mean, it's an aggressive-based cancer. Once you get into the lymph system, you have access to the whole body. It's a scary diagnosis. And he just put his head down. He did exactly what you said. He, you know, he, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try a little bit of everything. And um, we're proud to say that he's doing really, really well right now. And obviously there's, there's some time that has to, to go by and, and, and several sets of tests that go by after, um, you know, a certain based amount of time. But he's doing incredibly well. His doctors are amazed. And uh, we've probably been, we were able to contribute to saving this guy's life. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Well, we're coming up on an hour, and I know we're kind of all over the place on here from cancer to <laughs> athletic performance and whatnot, but has a lot right. of great information, and I think people listening to this will agree. Uh, is there anywhere you'd like to point people to find out more about you? About me? Holy cow, you think I would be more prepared about this. Um, <laughs> if you're... If, if, if you see, I don't have a website. I'm a guy that you know I operate because in my in my day to day life I work from the university and I'm I'm a strength conditioning guy. So it's mm-hmm. only pulling in the you know, I play a doctor on TV type thing. Uh, if if you if you if you, if you would like to get a hold of me, um, I can give it a direct email address. My email address is holder54 at hotmail dot com. Yes, I still have a hotmail account. Um, and then I will in a subject matter just put the word Qigong and I will see it and then it'll get read, it won't get junk. Um, but if there's somebody out there who's listening who's interested in, in learning a little bit more or um, you know, needing a little uh, direction, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fairly busy guy, but I, I'll get to it eventually, so don't think that I'm uh, sloughing you off or anything like that. But holder54.hotmail.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me, and then uh, we'll just go from there. All right. Thank you so much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you got a lot out of this call. I know we dove into some, I guess, newer territory than what we covered in the past, but very important information for people to know. Thank you so much, Chris. You bet, Logan. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good day.